Ohaya. Welcome back to Why We Bleep. Why? Gates, I welcome you back here for to talk all things of the synth. How have you been? You getting on well? It's been a while since we spoke. It's getting cold in England now. The cold times roll in. Good music making times these cold times, don't you think? I've been busy, uh, very busy. Uh, what have I done since we last chatted? I went to Nam which wasn't very cold at all. That was actually quite warm and saw all of the wonderful equipment. Perhaps you will have seen, I've popped up in a few videos, uh, namely for Sonic State and for DivKid, sort of assessing all of the cool stuff that came out of NAMM. And I don't know if you need me to reassess that now, but I mean, ah, there's loads of good stuff. I, I want to sort of reiterate the, the thing that kind of blew me away with those little 2HP modules, if you ever saw those. Uh, those are little tiny drum, kick drum snare hats. Uh, kick drum snare hats. Kick snare hats. Um, and they sound great, and they're really small. In 6HP, you could have a complete drum backline, um, and I thought that was actually pretty badass. Not that there aren't excellent drum modules in the format, but I just like that they're so small. Uh, so you can always have a little bit of a drum thing, even if you've only got a tiny little system. A little bit of space, a lot of sound. Um, what else? I um, played live... Um, with the band Ride, uh, well, let's be specific here, um, I played supporting synthesizers uh, with the Early Years, who I play with, um, and the Early Years are an excellent, excellent band who you ought to check out. And uh, Andy Bell from Ride very, very kindly um, invited us to support them at ULU, U-L-U, the London University, um, and support them on a London date, uh, which was wicked. Uh, it was really fun and uh, super nice. Um, thank you very much for having us. I enjoyed that. Um, and on that same day, I bought a TR8. Um, I <laughs> was in a cafe. I'm not kidding. I was in a cafe, um, and that's it. You can hear it there. Um, and they were playing The Other People Place, which has just been reissued. And you should buy The Other People's Place's lifestyle at the Laptop Cafe. And because there was so much 808 in the background, um, I just sort of got it in my head. I was like, oh, I want an 808. And I was like, I was basically in town um, waiting to catch up with the band to sort of go and sound check. I was just like, I'm just going to go to one Joe Keys and buy one. And I did. And it's great. Um, don't believe the haters who say that the TR8ers don't sound like an 808ers, because as far as I'm concerned, it damn well does. It sounds wicked. And the other thing that happened this month, uh, which is the reason this is so late, um, I finished an album. Don't worry about it finished an album what do i know about finishing albums very little as it turns out but i can still do it so um i'll be talking more about that in due course um because it's quite i mean it's not a feat i mean millions of people have finished albums before i have so um it's not very impressive but my god 
I'm quite pleased to have done it. Um, and I'll talk about how I did it um, another day. Let's do that when it's actually out, and that will be hopefully next month. But you'll be hearing it soon. So, speaking of things that we're going to hear soon, let's talk to our friend, Justin. So, in this episode today, we're going to meet a guy called Justin Owen. Now, Justin Owen is a brand. Uh, he is um, the man who is the company Abstract Data. And if you're into the Eurorack thing, Abstract Data are a um, Eurorack synth brand. They make modules. They make some very, very, very nicely well-engineered, beautifully crafted, excellent sounding and really solid, damned solid, both in terms of physical design and function, um, modules. They're not one of the sort of brands that I think, I feel like they don't get enough credit. You don't hear enough about abstract data, I think. And it's, he's just been around for, uh, since really the kind of new boom, the kind of sort of 2008 onwards boom of Eurorack. Um, and we talk about this in the episode um, because it's it's interesting to, to actually pick the brains of a manufacturer who, um, it's his full-time job. Um, you know, and I think Justin, Justin is kind of a, what I would say, a classic example of, of kind of a, the modern Eurorack pioneer brand in the sense that he's completely self-taught. He did not go to engineering school. He did not go to Eurorack school. There is no Eurorack school. And he's not, you know, a business person. He's not a person who did a business degree and then decided that this was the business he was going to do. He just simply was an electronic musician who had a compelling kind of drive to make something. And he just, for the hell of it, built a synth and he put it on eBay and someone bought it. And that's how it all began. Um, and we talk about a lot more stuff as well. Um, we talk about the impact of punk in his life. He grew up in Sydney and listening to Orbital, discovering house and techno in Sydney, early experiences, listening, um, you know, learning equipment, pre-internet, the importance of music and the story of getting hooked into Eurorack, design choices, how you designed modules, how he creates modules, putting the character back into VCS, VCAs and surviving as a manufacturer in a crowded market. And finally, we wrap up this conversation talking about the music making process for, for Justin. And he's got quite a particular approach to making music, um, which I think is noteworthy, especially because it's a very good example of how to stay focused when using a modular. And, and modulars can be very distracting. Ironically, in the music making process, they actually distract you from the goals from, from actually getting stuff done. And Justin has a very specific compartmentalized workflow, which maximizes what's good about the modular and what's good about computers. Um, and generally, uh, you know, he has found has kept him on track and he actually makes music as Jack patch. He makes uh, techno, uh, which is excellent. And you should listen to it. Um, but first you should listen to this. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Justin Owen of abstract data. Um, hi. Hey. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming me. to my house. Thanks for inviting me for the coffee. That's right. Yeah, I'm glad that you were here to join me for that experience. Um, 
Any thoughts about the coffee so far? So far, so good. I'm enjoying it. I'm having it el natural. Yeah, it's good. You get into it, though, like, with coffee, I didn't used to have it black, but then I got an AeroPress, and that has actually convinced me that black is the future. I think you have to be having drinking decent coffee or good coffee if you're going to yeah. have a black and mm-hmm. make it properly. The amount of effort that went into the preparation of this coffee, I hope... Staggering. warrants <laughs> the... Well, yes. So I hope you're entertained. Um, so thank you for being here. And um, you are Justin. Your company is Abstract Data. Correct. And um, you're based in London. Check. But you have a very weird English accent. I do. Where are you from, Justin? I was born in North London, believe it or not. Really? Yep. Uh, born in North London, lived a little while in Luton when I was younger, and then we moved to Sydney in Australia when I was five or six years old. So what's it like growing up in... Where were you in Sydney? or in the like, suburbs? Or? I was in the western suburbs. I was in a, a, an area called Bankstown, which mm. doesn't have a very good reputation. Right. Um, it was characterful. It was character building. <laughs> I think in it's what? one of those things in that what? when you're young, you you know, you know kind of just brush through it. But it was, uh, you know, it's, it's it's kind of why I always pick people up on the stereotype of people living by this, the, the beach and surfing and, and watching neighbours because that's the, the complete opposite. Further yeah. from, so what was it, when you say characterful, can you please Bankstown illustrate my is, stupid English brain? <laughs> okay, so Australia is, um, it, it's, it's suburbs. It has vast, vast sprawling suburbs. It's not a centralised area as, as, say, for example, England. Uh, or, or London, mm. um, with with densely populated kind of outer urban areas. The the suburban sprawl goes on for for, for miles and miles and miles. So the wet and the western suburbs is generally considered one of the, you know, I don't want to you know have my fellow countrymen sort of writing in to, to complain, <laughs> but it's, it's considered one of the poorer areas. Yeah. I, an, okay, an anecdote about Bankstown. In the early eighties, there was a, a movie called Puberty Blues about two teenage girls that wanted to go surfing. They wanted to kind of break the male-dominated surfing culture and they, they wanted to get... And it's about growing up and falling in love and blah, 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 blah. And they showed it as a, a sex education movie. It was rated so highly. It was, you know, a way to teach young kids about, you know, the trials and tribulations of, of becoming a teenager. And the first scene where the two girls go onto one of the southern beaches with their surfboard, someone in the background yells out, go back to Bankstown. <laughs> so that, that's Bankstown. <laughs> were you um i mean we were mentioning before we started this that you had like a 202 and stuff so i'm what well, my question is going to be like your sort of formative musical education what was it and where did it come from yeah the me and music has it kind of i think any of the questions you're going to answer me there isn't going to be like i went to a gig and mm. i changed it's it's a, a general gravitation. Yeah. One yeah. of the great things about living in an area like Bankstown was that uh, we, it's, it's a very multicultural area and it's a, an area where um, people don't really mix. There was it's the 80s, so subcultures were still a really important thing. Mm. The stereotype is that you, you get into one style of music and you, you stay there and you wear the outfit and you do the thing. I was very lucky to grow up amongst a group of people that we we hung out with a lot of very different people. Mm. So I was getting into at the same time I was getting into electronic music. I was getting into guitar bands, you know. So I was listening. It wasn't just discovering dance music. It was also playing and forming the first bands and whatnot. So electronic music, I think, goes back as 
actually making actually hearing electronic music was early clubbing days so late mm. 80s i guess what you would call a, a a jacking sound you know so that kind of chicago detroit um early electro pre-techno kind of hybrid is there actually good stuff being played as well like you had good clubs there basically with good tastemakers yeah absolutely um it's you know it's weird it's it's on the other side of the planet so culturally a lot of people assume maybe it's going to be a backwater but i think australia has always really punched way above its weight and Mm. new zealand i would say punched way above its weight for its ability to to get the right people out yeah um you know i saw frankie knuckles i saw joey beltram i saw orbital and this was late 80s early 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 yeah orbital first time i saw orbital was new year's 91 92 Wow. And that like that was their, their, last, their first full live set is what I believe. You saw? Yeah, yeah. we saw, yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, the, you know... The, what was that? What is, was that... Presumably that wasn't the first... Was it the first kind of thing of that nature that you'd seen, like, as in with the full rig, that kind of thing? Or had you seen... I'd seen... So you heard DJs, but in terms of the live stuff particularly. Yeah, that was the first uh, electronic, full electric... Um, electronic performance i think i saw there'd been a lot of people um you know i'm seeing over with the dj i'd seen people bring pianos you know the kind of big italo piano house thing oh nice big, yeah so <laughs> what an upright or like a no, digital, no, a digital, like a digital right, piano okay. yeah yeah okay yeah. so like an m1 or something yeah hopefully. yeah um but orbital was the first ele- yeah electronic live electronic performance that i'd seen and i kind of I, at that stage, I mean, I wasn't making music at that stage. I wasn't making electronic music mm. at that stage. And I didn't really know, you know, I was a clubber, I was a punter. I didn't really know much about DJ culture. Yeah. Um, but I knew about bands and I knew about working in mixing desks because I'd seen dub artists perform. So there was a, a connection to that. A, a, it was amazing. It was, you know, genuinely a life-changing I was gonna say, like, I mentioned, uh, I'm interested that you say this because Orbital was also my first live. Yeah. That's actually, it was my first live gig, full mm-hmm. stop, was Orbital. That was in 99. <laughs> I'm a little younger, but um, I, well, my own feelings, I remember that gig, and I, the only way that I can put it is, like, a sense of awe, yeah. but in, like, the true meaning of the word, or, like, dread. Like, but not, not like I wasn't, I've said this before, but like, not like I was scared, but just it's, it's an awesome show. And you're just looking at these two sort of people like gods above you kind of and you're like, how are they doing what they're doing? Mm-hmm. How is that sound made? How is this music even constructed? What do they know in order to be able to be capable of what I'm witnessing them doing? It's, it's, it's like the best basically think it's that quote you know any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic and it's like <laughs> i think anyone's early experiences something like that will it's like watching kind of wizards at play basically yeah absolutely and it, and it was i'd never you know i'd been clubbing for and and it was one that was probably one of the first non-club big non-club events um that i'd been to and i'd you know i'd heard a lot of you know a lot of techno and a lot of house mm. and 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 you know other things up until that point, but I'd never heard anything like that. Yeah. And I'd never been to an event like that. It's mad. What was the, that's the very early days when you play like it, China. It, it was literally... Like the Green Album, basically. Yeah, we were... There was a record store in Sydney that oh. um, we all used to trek into town to go. And it was, you know, the classic record store where you could go, I want something a bit like this and a bit like this in, in this genre. Mm. And the guy would pull out a record that would you would have for the rest of your life. And that's Amazing. that's where we... I didn't buy it. One of my mates did. They bought the first album, the first mm. little album. 
had to be like the week it came out. Yeah. And and then suddenly they were playing, you know, within six months of that. Yeah, yeah. Most of most of the people that I was going clubbing with originally were into I guess what you'd call a progressive house sound mm. now. That's they they were the first kind of serious clubbers I knew. And I enjoyed it. It was good clubs, it was good times, so it was a fun night out, but I never the, the sound never really grabbed me. Mm. So it wasn't until I started going to, to nights that were playing kind of tougher, kind of more American house. Um, more stuff edging towards techno that I started to go, yeah, this is a, a music that I, I, I want to do. Um, I'd been playing in bands for years. I'd been playing in sort of punk and hardcore bands since I was 16. Um, and I was doing less of that at that right. time. So I started learning how to DJ. So that was, that was where my electronic music interest started was with, you know, two turntables. Mm. Um, and from there it was, I, uh, I, I started the, again, the name, the kind of the part of the, the, the character of the neighbor I lived in was the neighborhood I lived in was that there was a lot of pawn shops. So there's a lot of, you know, sort of secondhand stores mm. where, where people would get rid of stuff. So you could buy stuff quite cheaply. So I bought, uh, an, an Sonic ESQ one. Mm. Um, so it's a sequencer. Or is it the sampler? That the, the key, sampler? it was the keyboard is the full keyboard and a, and a sampler, mm. on, you know, a, an eight bit sampler on, on, you know, things loaded off floppy disks. It's got a sequencer strapped to it, hasn't it? Or, or has I, it? I don't, Yes, it does. I yeah. believe so. I don't. Yeah. I did you not use the? I didn't use the I didn't, yeah, 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 yeah. Seriously, I don't want to come across. It's it's weird, you know. Talking like now, I run a, a you know a modular business, <laughs> and I, and I do this, and I can do this. And back then, genuinely had no idea what yeah, I was yeah. doing. Yeah, <laughs> none of us do when we start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like that's the thing with orbital is, you know, I have no doubt. I don't know this, but that it's not like. There's no like techno late eighties techno finishing school. No, 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 no. It's just abuse things the best you can, and abuse like the you know abuse of the musical equipment type is is best done with with out of complete ignorance. I yeah, think. yeah, just, absolutely. Just experimentation. Push buttons. Yeah. yeah, with something like a three hundred three, you've got to push buttons because you know the old lady that you bought it off wouldn't have the manual, so you just put it, and there's no internet. Yeah, so you're not going to get a manual reprint from Roland, so you just have to push the buttons, which is what people did. Yeah, and I think the three hundred three sounds came out. You know, yeah, three hundred three is probably a good, you know, great example of that because the the sound that we all equate with the three hundred three sound, it is a, abusing the instrument. It's mm. taking it completely out of its intended, you know, mm. use. Yeah. So you've got. Do, what did you say? You got an ESQ one. I got while. an ESQ yeah. one. I had one of the early Roland samplers, um, which I can't even remember the name of you. But like I, a black one. You one of the like black, black about three. You, oh, a big one. S fifty maybe. S, yeah, yeah. Some, what, I don't know much. Roland samplers, like the old samplers, never get much kind of love. I know, like Ronnie Size used one. Yeah, but not no, many other people did. I think. No, I remember they had quick discs. So I bought the sampler and a box full of quick discs, and <clears> and and just and and I had a, a an early Mac. Right. Very early Mac running Cubase Lite. So that was my rig, uh, early Mac. Um, I ended up buying a second ESQ one. So I had two ESQ ones and this Roland S50 or something. S whatever, yeah. Yeah. Um, and knew nothing about MIDI, had never used a sequencer, um, managed to find enough friends that were, that, you know, knew someone that knew someone. There was, could get stuff plugged in and get it talking to each other. Mm. Um, and again, you know, like you say, this is pre-internet, you know, you couldn't get onto a forum. You just had to work it out. And I didn't have the manuals. Yeah. And, um, and then eventually <clears throat> had sort of got the, 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 the first inklings of tracks. Um, at the time, musically, the, the, the kind of club style that was grabbing me was there's a lot of stuff that was coming out of San Francisco at that point that was technically it was house. It was a bit tougher and it was a, 
a kind of good balance of tough and funky. But the good part of it had all these amazing breaks. The 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 the, mm. the, the break in the middle was kind of break beats, and that really grabbed me. That kind of sound really mm. had an impact on me. So the first electronic stuff I started doing was breakbeat. Was electronic breakbeat. Right. Was that? I mean, is it in any way inspired? It's interesting when you were saying you lean towards the harder side of things. And I, I mean, I wondered this about like. You know, if you track back far enough, it's like, why do we have an affinity for electronic music at all? It's like, what gives us the proclivity to be interested in it in the first place? Whether other people are like, I freaking hate electronic music, I listen to mm. classical music. Yeah. I wonder that. Like, I mean, I, I'm almost going to ask you, can you think why you had that? I mean, but it seems like if you have a punk background, you're going to be, it's, there's something very punk about techno music. And it's, it's obviously like a harder, faster, more pure style of music and that is a brilliant description of techno is like it is just hard and pure it's just do you have any inkling of why you know you have that proclivity what is the you know why it appeals or is it just friends play it and you you have warm feelings because it's you're with your friends at those times and it just therefore that just it's like you get imprinted you're like in an impressionable time i don't know it's sort of it's something i'm trying to work out yeah um I, I don't think I could overstate, you know, I don't want to gush, but I, I genuinely couldn't overstate the importance of music in my life. Just mm. could not do it. It's been the one thing, the one constant that, and, and I don't know why it's ha- it had such an impact, but it, it always has. I have been as impacted by hearing the are we allowed to swear on this yeah yeah okay cool all right cool so the 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 first i think the 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 first proper punk tune i heard was the dead kennedy's too drunk to fuck seven inch and there's a guy at school that that had that and i borrowed it and and again i'd never heard anything like that i'd never seen artwork like that on a cover that had an impact on me hearing orbital's first album um hearing early public enemy stuff there's just something about music full stop that that pushes my buttons. Mm. I think with electronic music, it would be the beat. There is something about the beat and the rhythm that I, I find just irresistible. Yeah. Before I like, um, I'm only relatively recently been getting into techno. I must say like a proclivity for the four, four beat has, as something that I've only recently, like for a long time, I was kind of snobby about the four, four beat. Mm-hmm. A lot of orbital, some of it is four, four, but some a lot of it is, is yeah. kind of breaky yeah. and yeah. it isn't four, four, but from dancing in like from only relatively recently getting into dancing in clubs to techno is like I've had a renewed respect for the four four beat mm-hmm. and I think anyone who says it's lazy is missing the point. Yeah, really. absolutely. It's like yeah. I'm afraid it's not to do with it being easy. It's just to do with it being the pulse of the venue. It's yep. literally the heartbeat, and that's the ten. You know, that's the flow of the heartbeat. The heartbeats beat in four four. So. That's what we dance to. It's, yeah, I think it's yeah. one of the things with four four music is it's very easy for people that there's, there's it's very easy. I think firstly, it's very easy for people that aren't into that kind of music to write it off as very simplistic. Yeah, but I think people that are that are very seriously into it, whether they're producers or, or, or punters or DJs or whatever, realize that there, there are some you know there's a lot of subtleties. There's a lot oh, of very little things. Oh, absolutely. It's like it's more like akin to electro in the sense of like some of the best electro records. The best way of describing it is like a Swiss watch in the sense like it's it's just the right amount of parts to function yep. and every part is necessary and without it the watch doesn't function. Yeah, and, and the and smallest incremental oh, changes to 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 
take you somewhere else. And like Daft Punk as well. And you know, Emma's like, oh, you know, they're just sampling and it's easy. It's like, mm, you have a go. Yeah. And see if you can write a record that's as catchy as that. It's like, it's not, and it's every element is essential. And to write music in that way is, is freaking hard. Yeah, you, like, you, it's, it's very hard. easy to write, you know, particularly nowadays, you can bang together a shit drag and drop prefab loop techno or house track or whatever in on an ipad you know in minutes mm. sure but it, it it's well, also not- the technology has made it too easy for us to fill the space as well like the beauty like almost the the, the thing that we didn't realize was helping us massively when we you know in the early 80s or in the late 80s and early 90s is the fact that you, because you only had four boxes you could only make a certain amount of sound so it's you you, you can't cheat by just layering things upon layering things upon layers yep. and my biggest issue with the music that i'm making is like i just massively try and crowd the space yeah and it's like no no no, no. you you just start with a really good solid foundation and just let it rock and like don't don't just hang you know it's like the old rolling a, a turd in glitter thing it's it's that <laughs> have a really good turd <laughs> start with a really good turd, yeah, really yeah, good yeah. turd. just one good turd. but zero glitter on that yeah. turd because you know it's good shit man it's yeah. like I'm <laughs> stretching this analogy but but it, yeah it's and at the time, you were, you just, yeah, you couldn't overdo it. It's so easy to overdo it now. I think that's maybe part of the good thing about modular is that modular is almost, in terms of the actual, you know, quantity of voices in your system, we're getting back to that sort of era where you've really only got four things that you can have going concurrently unless you've got unlimited budget. Yeah, absolutely. I think the limitations are a good thing. Uh, you know, n- no disrespect to the the amazing power that, that modern computer-based music systems give you but i i think there's a huge case for for, for limitations yeah. working working Track within limits a, on your... a, a smaller palette yeah it's i'm actually more in in a way i mean i mean well, i am in awe of, of people who use computers in a in a controlled way so like listening i was listening to perk like last mm-hmm. night yeah. which is, I mean, and that's a good example of subtlety and you know he's some of his tunes are so stripped it is just literally a four four and just a sample or just one element and it's so good and also even within those like similar those little elements so i was chatting to a friend adam and and it's you know i'm saying it's like so much humor as well there's a lot of dark humor and and actually the best word is like dry humor like and to sort of convey that sense through just three elements just repeating and looping it's it's it, it's by limiting yourself. You really do. I don't know. He, he's just, he's very creative, frankly, is, is the reality. He's a creative art form. It's yeah. Within these limited, this limited framework, you know, what can I do that's never been done before? And he, yet he finds interesting and funny and dry ways of, of building up a tune and, and tunes that absolutely slam as well. It sound amazing. The, yeah, it sound huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you have moved to London and you, are, I'm basically trying to get us back onto, sure, back yeah. into like the Euro world. Uh, so like, obviously, you know, you've moved back. Where does abstract data kind of come into your life? What is the actual process by which you go? I assume it wasn't full time. It is full time, just to be clear. It is full time. Uh, it is full time. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make it full time at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, but it, I imagine it wasn't all the time. And how, um, what, basically what? caused you to want to start a company or how did it you know what have been your experiences so far yeah um i started abstract data a long time after i'd, I'd been back in london probably you know a, a decade 
and and I'd done some you know various musical projects between the time I arrived back. I, I came back to pursue music basically, right. I'm making music. Uh, or, yes, or like not yeah. making equipment, Ma- making, making music. music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the point of of starting to make equipment really just came out of kind of nowhere. I was I'd, I'd been earning my living as a music producer for a few years, um, doing you know, a range of, I guess, stuff that generally gets called corporate, mm. doing music for videos, music for, for the commercials and stuff like in that. In London? Yeah, in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And I, had, I was... To be know, able to do that, like, is it was, no mean feat. Yeah, it was the few years before it became, I don't want to say trendy, but, the, but it was the few, the last few years before the music libraries, where everything became free. You know, right. it was the last few years right. of music still having some, some worth and some value. And people still having the budgets to pay a composer to put together a piece of music, um, mm. rather than now, you know, it's you know, limitless sound libraries mm. and sound sources and whatnot. It's websites where you can just download a backing track for, for, for pennies on the pound, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and you know, which was great. And I was working entirely in software at that point. What sort of year is? What year are we talking? Um, eight nine years ago. Right. Yeah. 10, 10, 11 years ago, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, abstract date. The, Early the, 2000s, basically. Yeah, yeah. The, the first thing I built was probably just nearly 10 years ago now, I would say. And and I two, two things happened. One is I kind of had a hankering for some hardware again. I was working entirely in the box, um, and I'd, I'd started with a hardware rig, and I thought, wouldn't it be nice to, to get back to having something hands-on? And, you know, I, and I, I, I didn't know what was out there. I was kind of out of the, the gear loop. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, I was increasingly getting a bit dissatisfied with the using the computer as a, a creative tool. Yeah. Um, I'd started playing guitar again. I'd started playing a bit of percussion again, both of which are kind of hands-on things, very intuitive, very you can just pick a guitar up and play. Whereas a computer, you know, it's the setup and the installs and the, yeah. this and the configuration. It's, yeah, it's and the it's opposite endless. of the DDC. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not live. So I... So, so those two things, I was, you know, okay, what, what is out there? What's a synth that I can buy? What's an analog synth that I can buy? I wonder if I could make one, like maybe as the kit. And again, I'm coming from, at this point, I was at a point where I, I had no idea what I was doing. I had mm. no idea what was out there. And I decided I would just start tinkering with electronics and I would what start that, making. That's quite a weird leap yep. of faith. Yep. <laughs> that's not what I think when I'm like... I need a coffee, so I'm going to make a <laughs> I gotta, make a French yeah, press. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a bit like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I want to listen to a, 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 you know, what's a piece of music that I can put on? You know, we'll need to form a band <laughs> to record the album. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really, honestly, it came out of nowhere. Um, but then that, I. That is bizarre. But how did you? How did you have the damned to you know the damned impudence to say think you could do it? It's uh, like yeah, because it. Nothing if Where do you not, start? Like, yeah, um, I started with I started with a chip called the 555, and that's a lot of people's kind of gateway drug, I think, to, to electronic hardware. All I know about that is it goes buzz. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's exactly what it does. It gets does. used for buzzers. Yeah, yeah it, it, um, there's a, a circuit that's been around the internet forever ever called the Atari Punk Console, mm. and it's basically one oscillator modulating modulating another and i start it's fm yes yeah, so it? essentially it's, yeah it, that's not, may, maybe a bit complimentary yeah yeah okay yeah, it, it's closer to the buzzer some right. door, doorbell kind of sound but i was 
I was just fascinated by it. It was another thing that just for no reason, I can't explain it to you, I don't know why, it just had a hook in me. And I mm. started exploiting these chips. It does uh, seem to have like a slight crossover with punk and electronics in closing the name. Like, yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. And it's also gnarly and, and it will sound, I imagine, sounds very techno. It, it, that was the thing. Yeah. I was instantly back to the sort of sounds that I loved. And I, you know, I, I, went, I don't want to say that I'm into kind of harsh, aggressive kind of sounds because a lot of the stuff I like is, is positively tame and compared mm. to some of the... Well, I don't think Orbital you know, are not that, you know. At least no, absolutely that, you know, not. That is, that's quite, it's quite non-punk as well. It's quite... Soft and melodic. Oh, and very pleasant. melodic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But we played on a big system, so it will yeah. still. I, I, I don't, you know, I and I love that as well. I, I, I listen to a lot of different styles of music and I've been influenced by a lot of different styles of music. Sure, I was, you know, I played punk rock and hardcore for a lot of years and I like my techno, but I don't, you know, I will happily sit down and listen to ambient or jazz mm. or a film soundtrack. So it's not all about harder, faster mm. for me. So you're. You're playing around with five, five, five timers. Yep. So you're building. What were you building? Like, you, did you have an idea in your mind of what you're trying to create here? Like, you're like, I want an, a one on one again, or a yeah, two yeah, two. Yeah, or, yeah. One, I want you had a two or two. Uh, you said, well, yeah, yeah. One of the, the the few kind of proper analog since legendary analog since I've owned was the the MC two hundred two. But yeah, I basically wanted to build a one on one. That's pretty right. close. I wanted a, a little baseline synth. I want something that I could do sequence baselines. So once you've and I. I pushed the 555 a lot further than other people were doing. So I had, uh, you know, I was used, started using Vactrols mm. to add voltage control to things. Make noise didn't even exist at the time. Actually, no. it's probably just about starting to exist at the time. No, exactly, yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I just thought of, okay, well, this is what I want to do. How can I do it? What is out there that I can do these things? Are you reading sort of electronic textbooks? Like, yeah. Presumably, I'm... Just, Unless we missed something, you didn't go to like engineering school or nope, something. No, I have absolutely no formal training in anything whatsoever. Just pick, reading books or yep, reading well, books. we did have the internet then. Obviously, it's two thousand seven, yeah. so yeah, like, or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah you could do a lot of work, and there's a lot of sites. There was the the uh, the music from outer space site. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the first kind of stopping points for me. Um, and there are a lot of really good electronic forums. And like most things, you know, I wasn't the first person to do it. Yeah. And I might have come up with a couple of interesting ways to do things. And maybe I was the first person to, well, you know, one of few people to, the, the first thing I built was basically a sequenced synth. So, you know, you had a, an eight-step sequencer, um, a couple of oscillators, PWM, um, but all just rickety and rackety as mm. hell. Um, no filter or no filter. No, no, absolutely. No, no, no envelope generator. Even no. um, it, it was all, crap, so always on. <laughs> um, what, um, what music did you make with this again? <laughs> just, 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 I was working on my ambient album. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it didn't just, sell very well. No. So. I mean, the, I mean, you know, if you want, look, go to um, my the YouTube channel for Abstract Data is Abstract Jazz. Um, and that's J-U-Z. got J-U-Z, yeah. That's got everything I've ever built on there pretty right. much. So the, Have you got like a demo of your... Yep, yeah, your, I'm pretty sure that's sorry? on there. Yep, okay, yep. we'll check that out. Yeah, for sure. Nice. So you build this thing and are you, you enc- what do you do with it? As in, it's for you, presumably, it's not for, it's not for someone else. It's just a, a play thing. It was for me, yeah, absolutely. It was a pet project for me. Um, and it, it sounded awesome. I loved it. But I, by the time that I'd gotten to the point where I could put a thing together... I was beginning to think, you know, I could, I could do this. You know, mm. I could enjoy doing this. So you I, enjoyed the process of yeah, building that toy, basically. Yeah, yeah and learning how to do, to do it and solving the problems and, and, and doing the design. Um, 
so I sold it. I put it up on e- I made a video, put it up on YouTube, right. put it up on eBay, and sold it. Holy and, shit. Yeah. So it's gone? It's gone. Who's got it? Who's oh, got I don't know. Phone? Don't know. Someone, Someone. That's, that's worth, that's I, worth something. I, 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 I hope it was worth something. Yeah, yeah. I, I did have a guy contact me a few years ago saying, you're the guy from Abstract Data. You you built this. Oh, I've my, still got it and it's, I still use it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I built another one. And I did the same thing. Yeah. And every time I got a few more followers um, and, and, and you know, uh, made a little bit more money, you know, the, the next one mm. had people that didn't get the last one bidding yeah, for yeah. it. And then I did I did four in total, I think. And then I did, I thought, you know, bumped it up. I, I did a series called the Hex Series, basically a series of three little noisemakers, little self-contained guitar pedal-sized noisemakers. And this is long before Korg had kind of, kind of done the micro series for yeah, yeah. years. And there wasn't anything like it out there then. Um, I just figured that this is kind of, or, and, you know, certainly long before Roland had done mm. the, the boutique series. It was like, this is the kind of thing that people who want to dabble in hardware will want. Something yep. fairly low commitment that's not like some mega machine. It's just a toy. Absolutely. Like a jamming toy. Yeah, and that was partly necessitated by the market. It's like, I don't want to buy a mega synth, and mm. I can't afford a mega, I couldn't afford a mega synth at the time. Mm. So... I figured, you know, I've got enough musical background that if I can find a use for these, you know, a little noise generator, a little oscillator, and a little kind of effects and feedback thing, and a little tiny sequencing rhythm manipulation thing, other people will use them as well. Mm. So I think I did about 100 each of those. There was kind of, yeah, there was, I remember like, it's like the early days of, around that time, like looking on the music thing blog, and there was kind of, there was a sort of, kind of smattering of little things like yep. starting to emerge like i remember there was that sort of cd sized one that had 16 knobs around the outside of it you yeah, yeah that thing yeah. with like yeah. jacks inside i was yeah. like those kind of proto toys that probably had it existed would have become a Eurorack module or something at yeah the time. possibly yeah or um you know a kickstarter or something yeah. but it was it was like the market was like you yourself obviously a good example it's just like people were just so sick of computers by about the late you know it's like by that time you know the hardware has gone long gone and we're just craving a new or an old way of making music just to yeah just to just to sort of i don't know um i was the same same thing for myself like mm. it was around that sort of time when i'm just thinking i've kind of gone hardware then software and then now i'm just looking for ways to just be like it used to be. Yeah, again. absolutely. Like yeah. I made better music when I had less stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the computer is almost like having too much stuff in a studio. It's just too blank a canvas. Yeah, I think the power that it gives you is is sometimes it gets in the way. And and I'm mm-hmm. this isn't for me. This isn't some sort of you know anti computer thing. No, no. Or, it's, or you, like I, you have to have a computer. Well, no, you don't have to, but like for me personally. I've no, got, oh, no, I know com- completely one. agree. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm. You know the power that a you know modern door gives you is is still awesome and amazing, and I I don't have a problem with someone who's doing good tracks in in Ableton or whatever. It's more just it's just it's just it requires discipline, which I think is <laughs> in short supply with the people who buy music. <laughs> yeah, possible. Yeah, it's a discipline issue because you know. Yeah, you should, if you were truly disciplined, you should just be able to make wicked tunes with with Cubase and nothing else. Yeah, I but. I I think it there's less fun. It's less creative for me. I, I I spend all day on a computer. Computers for me are now about you know running the business and maintaining the spreadsheets and checking email, and and business things. I don't. That's not a creative hmm. experience for me. Part, I guess partly I'm 
influenced by the fact that I do play other instruments. I play guitar, uh, for, you know, for example. And a guitar, you, you, you can pick it up, you sit it in your lap and, and you can play. Mm. And that's it. And, and there's, there's no, you know, you can just be totally just you and the guitar. And, yeah. I, and I love that. Um, I don't, I want that, I want that experience with making electronic music. That's one of the things that drew me to modular was it's the first time that I felt like I'm back to making music rather mm. than writing or programming, um, you know, programming a tune. So I'm like actually making the, a piece of hand music. To, well, it's the brain to hand, like the delay of Absolutely. brain to hand, yep. basically. Yep. Things happening the instant you think they, they need to happen. Yeah, and being able to, you know, stand up and, you know, little things, being able to stand up and kind of, you know, shake your ass as you, you, you're playing. Mm. Um, you know, if I want to play guitar and I want to put a strap on, I can just jump around the room like I'm a strap on, on stage. Strap guitar. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. <laughs> or, or anything hey, it's else. punk. Of course. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a billion percent is is the point. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I have wondered why, you know, with computers being so powerful, why has someone not done like a kind of, what I'm describing is basically push, but like a hardware interface for a computer software that's actually doing the heavy lifting. Is it's this like, an appropriate time to tell your listeners about the dream I had about you one time? Please, tell me. <laughs> I don't know what this is, how this is going to end, listeners. I, I, I dreamt that you had... A, a sort of a black obelisk type object, kind of book sized. Right. But it was essentially a brain to techno converter. Oh my God. And you, you let me play with it for a while. <laughs> Instantly I was hearing some of the best techno that I've ever made in your, in your little, no, no knobs, no dials, no nothing. Just and literally it just, can, it turned your thoughts into pure interface. Techno. Yeah. And you, you got quite upset when I wouldn't give it back. Well, it was very important to me that I, <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking it up. Yeah. Do you know, I actually have thought about that, like, because what I'm getting at, you know, I'm jealous of guitarists because the guitar is that. In yeah. a sense that the guitar, you can, if you know how to play a guitar, you can think a melody and it just appears in yes. the air. Yeah. And people can read your thoughts if your thoughts happen to be a melody. And it's like, you can't, you can do that on a piano, but as an electronic musician, I just don't, well, as a person who can't play the piano, I don't have that conduit. And I've always fantasized about the idea of just being able to think think ideas yeah um, being able to i think the being able to improvise being able to play music as you go um is one of the the kind of the frontiers of electronic music that i i would like to see and and actually mm. not you know, when i say improvise i don't mean you know in in particularly in Eurorack now there's a lot of people that are you know improvised that's electronics what, that's what i'm trying to do yeah no no and you know look improvising, you're talking about something else improvising actually playing music as opposed to i wonder what happens if i plug this right, in right, here right. Yes. knowing I, knowing what's going to happen you mean as in that you really do i am playing this note next uh, yeah okay so you think of i guess you know uh you know jazz for example is one of the obvious examples you see a great horn player they will freestyle a solo they they don't they're not playing it off the dots they're not reading the music they're not playing it by rote they're playing something that is just literally just coming from their their heart and their ability and their skill guitarists do it as well you know a, a guitarist that will, will play a solo or or a rhythm that they've that is just in the moment mm. that's what i would like to see you know, you know something i'd like to see with electronic music yeah and i think do you mean as in something that's not techno basically because that's there's nothing easier. to say that it can't be techno yeah. i mean you can i can but you're, you're talking about the specificity as in it is literally that passage 
being played now and I am physically making it happen. Because yeah. obviously people are improvising, but it's it, they don't know what's going to happen. Do you mean as a musician is privy to, they know what's going to happen when they do it? Well, you, you can still set limitations. I mean, a blues guitarist can improvise a blues solo. They're, they're limited by the, the key that they're playing in, the tempo, the, the feel. They're not suddenly doing something, some weird interpretational aleatoric piece mm. they're still playing they're with the, the blues yeah, yeah. so there's nothing to say that you couldn't improvise you know doing you know live techno that doesn't that still sounds like proper techno mm. i think it's one of the things with electronic music again you know like i said particularly in euro rack is that you know experimental and improvised unfortunately i i think often tends to have these connotations of I'm literally just making it up as I go. So there might not be any harmony, there might not be any rhythm, there might not be any melody. I see. And to me, that's they're, they're still important. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, because it's... That, I mean, that's fundamentally what I'm trying to do is I would like to have improvised melodic... To have a melodic element hook is critical, I yep. think. I think if you don't have... If you're like, if you are one of the, I don't know. I'm, I'm so, now I'm sort of selling it short. But if you're, you know, if you're making like hard techno, there is a there's a grammar that it's okay, you know, vocabulary that's okay to not have melody. Basically, I, I think that does make it easier. I think it's coming up with an irresistible hook is difficult. I think you can still. I think you could have a, a hook with the way that you modulate a percussion line. Mm. doesn't necessarily have to be notes in the key of whatever. Of course, yeah. You, you know, you could take a... Well, and that's what it is, like, you know, techno where it's not based on a melody, it's based on almost the call and response of elements being played, you know, one after the other in repetition. Yeah, but it still has it still has rhythm. Yeah, m- melody, um, you know, yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, three oscillators in harmony. It doesn't have to be a chord. Yeah. So, but what is it that you're not getting? Do you know what I mean? I mean what are you not hearing that you'd like to hear from these... It's not so much the hearing. I think it's the process of of sitting of sitting at a computer and click here, click here, drop down menu, drag and drop. That's that's as far <laughs> as you can. As far as yeah, as far yeah. as removed as from the stage of Ronnie Scotts as you can possibly get. Yeah, yeah. So I I I I got closest to that, or I get closest to that when I'm using the modular. Mm. Um, I'm not just making it up as I go. I know that a certain module will give me a certain set of sounds so there are limitations you're 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 improvising in the same way that a guitarist can improvise or a, or a jazz trumpet or whatever can improvise within a certain set of parameters the key the tempo the style whatever um you can do that with electronic music and it doesn't have to be you know techno it could be whatever you want you can do that in a similar way with a, a modular system that is well set up and well thought out that you know mm. that's but still make it up as you yeah. go that is definitely my aim as well. It's just to try and make that a possibility, but also to have to have hooks. Yeah, to have like irresistible hooks. But it's difficult because you know, like in videos that I've done where you know you watch the video and you're like oh, that's a really good riff. It's like what you're not seeing is the three and a half minutes where I was like slightly chiseling away because it's yeah, like sculpture. Sure, it's just sure. like not not that note, that note, then that note, and it's like it's an iterative sculptural process where you sort of you start from all note possibilities and whittle it down and then you're only then you're left with your amazing hook but it's i suppose the skill is just in terms of um is kind of making that process the the, the whittling process sort of musical somehow or making it always work musically i don't know it requires a certain sort of 
forgiveness on behalf of an audience, I think. Or, or I don't know. You know, maybe it just takes being a genius and being like, I just need to hit that melody. But then it's the, it's the brain to hand interface of like, how do you get it in? And frankly, the most efficient way is a piano. Like, yeah. That I, is I, the best, quickest way. Yeah, maybe there's, I think, your voice. elements of truth in both of those things. Um, I think that you do, playing live, there, you do have a lot of forgiveness. The, the audience, you know, prop, proper live performances. Okay. The, the audience is... Um, they don't notice a lot of things that you notice. Yeah. And that's not they to say you can get away with, you know, you can get away with being sloppy. It's just they're, you're, they're hearing a different set of parameters. Yeah, they are. Um, but I think also, you know, okay, it's easy to talk about, you know, blues guitarists can just play the blues. Um, you, you know, let a, I, I think it's okay to have an element of electronic music being discovering sounds. And, you know, you, you can do that with software as well you know you can get it wrong you can spend that half an hour of of completely unproductive studio time for the the five minutes of oh my goodness this is amazing mm. you know i think that that's an you okay have to sort of find well. a way of doing that kind of naked in front of an audience is the, the that's the trick to doing it yeah. live in you know in a truly live fashion mm. where you've not worked out beforehand I guess, I suppose, to slightly fast forward is going to be the question is how do you then get into Eurorack from your hex range of little groove boxes around sort of late 2000 or 2007, 8 sort of era? Yeah. Um, How do you then, because Eurorack, 2007 is kind of the, the... the flowering year for the format, it feels like. I think so. You know, for a while you would only have kind of tip-top audio, uh, who else, Uh, Plan B, um other folks not not many i'm trying no. to think who was kind of players analog solutions and systems yep yeah uh Dutfer, obviously Dutfer, um, yeah. but then that was kind of it and then you got tip top and i feel like um it was sort of almost tip top that were like the chisel who then then it other people just it sort of blew it open i don't know maybe it's not fair to say it was just tip top doing it but they were they were sort of one of the bigger players that well they're one of the people starting at that sort of time that that are still a big player today I guess is what I mean and it feels like they sort of paved a way for creative different sort of things uh, which is unfair to all the other manufacturers but um, no I think I think that for me the, the that kind of that first wave or the second wave I guess if you if you want to call dirt for an analog solutions and analog systems kind of part of the first wave oh, I think that yeah. that second wave yeah it was was pretty much totally US manufacturers yeah, yeah. Um, so then when do you make your first Eurorack yeah it, it's weird it's another kind of completely obtuse way of, of getting into something I was I started doing desktop stuff because that's that was my interest and I started wanting to take it a bit more seriously, particularly when I started designing the Hex series. Um, so I wanted to start getting some test equipment. I was only working with just the most rudimentary gear for the first few builds. So I wanted to get, for example, like, you know, a clean sine wave um, to do testing. Mm. You know, Get a clean sine wave in, get a clean sine wave out. You're obviously doing something okay. So, but, but buying test equipment, it's pre, you know, proper you know, test equipment, for the for the lab or the workbench, it's it's prohibitively expensive. It still is. So I discovered Eurorack. I discovered that you could buy, you could set up a power supply reasonably cheaply. Um, you could set a, a rack reasonably cheaply, and you could buy modules, you know, secondhand on eBay. Um, and by complete coincidence, I had a friend who was selling quite a big 
very, very poorly maintained um, dirt for system. When you say poorly maintained, can you? Uh, you knew it was filthy, or it was just not well chosen. It had been sitting in. A, it had been sitting in a, a studio, a commercial recording studio, f- from pretty much as long as Dirtfer had existed, I think. And I oh, think it was God, one of those. Well, for well over ten, full fourteen, fifteen. Years. Yeah, seriously, there was. Yeah. It was all revision one PCBs. There were things that had had broken that people didn't realise they were broken. Uh, there would be people plugging outputs into outputs and well, leaving them there for days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just, just messing around with it. I don't think anyone, yeah. I think the guy that I bought it off, he actually inherited it as well. So I don't think even he knew what it was. No. Um, it, yeah. There were things that, that it was, it was a mess. It was a really sorry bag of wires. It was really quite upsetting, but I got enough out of it to be able to set up some basic test kits. So mm. I had an oscillator. Um, I was able to reproduce a basic kind of oscillator, envelope generator, filter, LFO, VCA synth voice, like a mono synth voice. So is this with mind, why were you doing that? As in, were you thinking of dropping in your own component into the path or you just wanted your 101? No. The, the, just like, the, finally, the, I've got my 101 again. Oh, <laughs> building it. Um, yeah. Initially, it was, I just want a hardware synth to, to play and to jam to is kind of that whole thing of just getting back to the, the spontaneity of, of being able to just play music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could play guitar and I could play other things, but I couldn't just, there was no, I didn't have any way of just taking an hour out of my day and just going into a room and just jamming, just playing. Doing what you do no on purpose. guitar with a synth. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I started. But by the time I got to the Hex series, I was beginning to look at it as a potential I guess you know potential business not so much a potential business opportunity but something that I was I'd become quite serious about and quite you still by. you were still doing sound making on the sidelines I, I was, clearly this was not paying your bills no absolutely not it was all money out for a lot of years um so yeah I was still sort of doing production for hire um but as soon as I got the, the first Eurorack stuff I, I was hooked instantly that's that's <clears throat> yeah you know I, I was hooked it was theoretically it was just test kit um, and I knew nothing about Eurorack. I, I, I didn't, you know, again, I started not knowing anything at all about it, but the format and the idea and, uh, you know, the mod, the, the idea of, of, of it being a modular system yeah. that I could chop and change and, and, and adjust to, to whatever like, way. I think as soon as you clock what it is, it is hugely, if yeah. you know anything about electronic music, you're like, damn, that sounds like, sounds like a dream come true it's yeah, like yeah. if i don't like the filter then i don't have to throw away my whole synth like yeah just for sure put that out. just buy another one yeah exactly i think it's it's quite important to establish like your first um forays or your first modules i'm not even sure what your the first module you released was, mm, was, it, it, was it was just one it was, was it was a wave shaper yeah yeah i did an analog wave shaper yeah um that was um was that then as well like in 2008 or or nine or no this is a bit later than that um i would guess uh sort of 2011 ish mm. what was sort of what was your reasoning for that you felt there wasn't anything good enough or interesting enough or it was it was partly um experimentation it was it, it was again it was building things that I think one of the things I'm really lucky with, and I don't want to sound conceited, but I think one of the things I'm lucky with is that I've, because I've spent so many years being incredibly serious about making music, I feel like if I have a, I can make good calls on, look, if I think this is going to, if this is going to work for me, yeah. it's going to work for other people. Many manufacturers are not musicians. Yeah, which <laughs> is, I find 
Yeah, I mean, we we can talk about that as well. Yeah, I find well, that, I mean, this is an <laughs> ideal time. Well, I think it, it, it ties into you know what you were saying. What do I think about you know Eurorack as a as a you know scene? I don't like using that word, but as a scene now, and mm-hmm. I think that you know whilst I love the diversity, I think there are a lot of modules now that are made by some very very clever people, some very talented people, people who, who are incredible coders, um, because I think most of the the most interesting stuff is digital. digital i think it's pretty, oh, okay. pretty fair to million say percent yeah. agree with you. um but they don't have a musical background and i find that quite intriguing um, yeah and whilst you know diversity it, it if any scene is going to stay fresh and, and and compelling and relevant there has to be some diversity things have to change and move on don't want the ten thousand and one analog vco mm. um but Part of that is I think there's a lot of designs that I don't know if it's necessarily a direction that I personally want to see Eurorack going in. I don't Can want you to be see... specific when we say without naming names, yeah, but sure. I mean, what design trends are we talking about? I, here? I don't want to see Eurorack become a, a digital workstation with knobs. Hmm. So, for example, the number of modules with screens now hmm. that completely goes against what I what got me what into Eurorack. I, I actually do feel the same way as yeah. you on this. I am with you. Yeah. There's there's a ton of things. With ex- <clears throat> with re- within reason, you know. Sure. Because, you know, a screen, like to give an example, a good example of screens is like Archeria Matrix Brute, as, as to make where they've made a conscious design choice that the screen is an um, e-ink because it is effectively just a scribble strip to tell you what these four, these four destinations are, mm-hmm. but to do nothing else except that. So use a screen where it's a, a morphing parameter, but really only use it in a dumb sense. Don't use it as a way of burying multiple sound-making parameters that would yep. be better served with a direct control. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think there's. In and look, this isn't to say that there is a right way or a wrong way of doing it. If you, there are tons of people that have absolutely no problem using modules that have got multiple layers of menus deep that are accessed through. Uh, screens or, or you know key combinations or, or whatever you like um, and, it, and if that works for you that's fine but f- for me personally I think the the maybe the the, the not so good flip side of all the the innovative stuff that's happening in digital in Eurorack is the you losing the immediacy of, of yeah. simple user <clears throat> interfaces I think you could you could and you could make a really good case and it, it may be unfair because we haven't gone down the path that, you know, whatever ex-designer who's put a screen on it has gone down and maybe they've tried this and not found a solution. But you could kind of argue that a screen where it contains lots and lots of parameters, where you say, well, heck, this 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 algorithm has got 50 parameters, mm-hmm. then there's an argument that you should spend the time and do the work. This is going to sound unfair, but I'm just going to say it, but is you should have done the work to try and pair those 50 parameters down to three knobs. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like that's that perfectly chosen combination of things, which gives maybe not as broad a sonic response, but at least it only gives you three dials where you can just immediately turn them and get something. Yeah, or, or not have fifty parameters. Yeah, you know, and not not try and build a supercomputer into another format. You know, I think I think the same thing when I see you know guitars with auto tuners and and MIDI built in and and this that and the third. And, you know, I, I don't I don't I just want a guitar like, right. yeah. <laughs> like it there was nothing wrong yeah. no one was yeah. struggling to tune their guitars in the 70s and 80s no. or maybe they were but they weren't well they really weren't yeah, that's really another, yeah. screw, or maybe they were but yeah, yeah 
it's not that there was nothing wrong with the design in that sense and saving one minute is not worth you know reinventing the wheel mm. i can't remember how we got here well we're talking about how you're getting into you know your first modules um i suppose like i guess the, the key thing i'd like to ask is just like you know you've now made you've got pretty much a kind of full system really um and it's sort of to ask a little bit about i think the most valuable thing is to ask about what you've learned from the process of doing it multiple times mm. you know what like i suppose the the succinct way of putting it is if you could go back magically to justin in 2008 it's like what would you say to yourself like dude Get a job. Get a job. <laughs> Don't do it. Stay yeah, away, yeah, man. Get a job. <laughs> You're kidding. Have us. an easy life. Because <laughs> this, I imagine, is a full-time... I mean, it's beyond a full-time job. It's it's not like... It's not the good life. It's, in fact, a very hard life that clearly requires enormous amounts of discipline because you're your own boss. Yeah. Um, and so... But I'm, I'm still curious. Like, what... You know, in terms of the process by which you make modules, what have you learned? What would you change? What have you changed? Yeah, um, I think I was quite lucky that I started out. I set some parameters quite early on, even before I'd done multiple iterations of doing modules. One was that it had to sound good, even even you know even if it didn't make a sound. You know, so not all of my modules. You know, it's only actually a, a majority of my modules so far have been actually controller and, yeah, and parameter things. Yeah, um, but but using them, you it had to sound good. Two, it had to feel good to use mm. not just physically tactile as in you know the knobs feel good it had to to, to feel right um how do you define that as well if it's not physical do you mean just in terms of the types of shapes and yeah the the the, the physical layout of the panel and the the can i get to a parameter not just you know is it does it fit into the workflow and that's a, i've i did a, a prototype of another wave shaper um, which which is going to come out as a, a product hopefully next year, but built into a VCO. I don't want to get too much into that. But I initially started off, the a lot of the lessons I'd learnt from the first Wave Shaper, I built into this second Wave Shaper. And this is one thing, that you, a lesson that I you know you keep on learning as a product designer is on paper it sounded great, in simulation it worked well, everything about it was, was right. And... But as soon as I got it on the front panel, as soon as I started using it, it's like this is clumsy. This this doesn't slot into the flow. It's 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 blocking. It's what, of, can you define how, or is it? It's very specific to that. One. No, it's not like it's not as specific as this. This software. Do you do that? You're, you're like designing it effectively on paper first, then software, then your prototype. Is it quite? often you'll be like, shit, I was totally wrong about this, or like, I'll have to make drastic changes, or how do you this, do it in that sort of way? Yeah, that the, the, the process is generally, concept is is idea, li- literally scribblings on a piece of paper. I'll, mm. I'll just sit and brainstorm for an hour, an idea that, I'll, uh, there'll be an idea that percolates, you know, for months generally, and then I'll go, okay, so, you know, today's the day to put this down onto paper. Yeah. Um, then it will go, you, you, you have to come at it from, a product design, I think, from two ends. One is kind of dreaming the impossible dream. Like you have to go into a believing that you can do anything yeah. with a particular product. That it can be solved. That it can be done, yeah, absolutely. Um, but you also have to come from the really boring part of what will this knob do? What will this socket do? How many sockets, you know, particularly in Eurorack where you you have a, a physical format. It has to be a certain height. Mm. You can't just make it 
couple of centimetres bigger. You also can't make it too wide. No, you can't make it a huge thing that dominates someone's rack. Mm. So that... no one will buy it, basically. So yeah, just yeah. to be clear, just and for folks who aren't sure. <laughs> Everyone's got a limited space, and yeah. you have to work within that. And I think after a certain width, it starts to defeat the the vibe of, of Eurorack as well. You want a collection of modules, not one big wide behemoth module, mm. you know, in my personal opinion. Because you might as well have a table of a 101 and a 202. If, if, Absolutely. If, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they'll probably do a better job ultimately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you you start off with this kind of contradiction of doing the amaze the amazeball stuff of, of, you know, dreaming and being the kind of stereotypical product designer. But you also have to be very boring and very thought out and 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 constrained you know what can we actually do um and from there you end up doing some sort of early prototyping that can be simulation um a lot of time it's it's just getting onto a breadboard or some of the prototyping and development stuff and just starting to put it together mm. sometimes you can hack it together out of bits and pieces of older designs um with the, some of the digital designs i've done um i've I've just gone from spreadsheet to working prototype, just made that jump, just had the faith that, mm. you know, the Octo controller, for example, um, just kind of had the faith that that would work. So that was, there was only ever really one iteration of the hardware of that. I, I'm as still as excited about Eurorack now as I was when I started. I don't see it getting old or a bit boring or maybe it's not mm. as good as I thought it was or you know it's I, just like saying food is boring or something yeah like, absolutely yeah we need to eat we need to make music yeah and there's there's new <laughs> stuff to do and and I'm as excited you know I'm as excited about my own designs you know the next couple of years for abstract data as I am about seeing what you know my competition is going to come up mm. with so it's still a, an interesting place for me um I obviously it, there was a huge growth spurt sort of a couple of years ago where it it, it exploded mm. in popularity it seemed everyone was talking about it i think that's um you know like anything it's it's had some 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 positive effects some you know maybe less so i think the the diversity is is a really good thing the Do you mean in terms of manufacturers or users yeah uh, both both yeah, yeah. I, the the number of different manufacturers coming at at, at designing for one format from totally different directions, totally different backgrounds, regardless of what I think of the modules, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it can cater for any taste. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, no question. Um, and, the, and the users, even more so. I, I like that Eurorack, there's, a, there's a, a place in Eurorack for everyone from really experienced synthesists, people who are really, really pushing the boundaries of electronic music, right through to the person that is about to discover that they can make a little plinky plonky sound and stick it through a reverb and it's going to sound amazing you know that is about to discover that for the first time mm. um there's a, a space for everyone in Eurorack. but but i feel like there's a but oh no there wasn't um All okay right. no a, a but um i think that i guess one of the maybe one of the downsides to the explosion in, in 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 the digital side of things is that there's a lot of modules that I don't really see that they bring anything to Eurorack. I think there's a lot of people, and it's kind of a you know there's there's a lot of this in the you know in the world today with the internet. I made a thing, 
I can upload it to YouTube, I can put it on social media, I can put it on the internet when maybe I should have just stopped it making the thing for and, and gone, I've done this for my own enjoyment. Um, I think mm. there's a lot of there's a lot of modules. I think if... if Do you mean all, like chaff, basically, that hasn't always yeah. rehashing old pro- problems or not bringing anything? Just both. Just not bringing anything new. If, if you're, you know, and I'm, I'm not, you know, if... I, I, I want to make every single module I build, I want it to bring something something new, I want to solve a problem, I want to have something unique, I want to do something interesting, something fun. I'm not interested in putting my logo on another multiple or another mixer. You know, I mean, okay, we've got a, you know, we're doing a mixer, but that's to sit in in as part of a complete product line. Um, I think if you're yeah, you know. I'm going to ask you, therefore, why does the world need another VCA? Well, yeah, good question. <laughs> yeah, You've just done a VCA. It's just just a done tri- a VCA. I mean, it is a compact, triple VCA, but yep. Dope for it has got a, you know, compact VCA. So why why do we need another? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Play, let me play Dave No, no, it's a good question. There's, and there's a, you know, a, well, hopefully a good, <laughs> half-decent answer. Oh, I'm, I'm listening. Okay. So I think in Eurorack today, most... VCA modules are going to be built out of one of two chips. So it's either going to be using uh, analog devices chip, SSM2164, I believe, or a chip by the, the that. Company, that Corp, yeah. That yeah. Corp? That Corp, that's <laughs> oh, the yeah, one. that one, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and, and these are fantastic VCAs. They, they're just incredibly, incredibly well-specced. If you build a Eurorack module uh, that uses one of these VCAs and you implement it properly, you will come away with a, 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 a VCA that is as high a spec as any human being would ever want. Um, that, that's the upside. That's, that's the good side. The downside to that is these are completely anonymous. They're completely transparent. There's no Too way, transparent, you would say. Like, there's no vibe. There's, there's nothing. There's yeah. no way that one designer is going to put a twist on it. There's no way that a designer can, can bring themselves or their own personality to that design. Your one is going to sound like my one is going to sound like everyone else's one. Mm. And I want... So first and foremost, I wanted to do something that was an, alter, an alternative to that. When you work with analog stuff... And again, it kind of comes back to, you know, playing instruments. Um, you understand that every single thing in your, your signal path brings something to the sound. It puts a little bit of its own thumbprint. Nothing too heavy, nothing too overbearing, and certainly nothing that's, you know, like, oh, you know, it's analog, so now mm. it all sounds like magic and unicorns. Um, it, but everything creates part of the sound. So I wanted to come up with a VCA that was a good balance between it has a high spec, it has a really good signal to noise ratio, has a very good uh, degree of linearity, so it will follow the, the you know the inputs and the outputs are, are very tightly matched. What goes matched. in, what comes out. Your sine wave yep, goes yep. in and out, yeah. Um, but it's, um, it, it still has musicality, and, and obviously, you know, if... You, do you mean it distorts everything? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, how do we define okay, so what this, is musical? Yeah, like? this is the thing. So when people talk about analogue, and particularly uh, discrete analog, and the 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 AD50, this the, the the VCA that Abstract Data is putting out is a discrete analog. So it's individual components, it's resistors and transistors. It is a chip rather than a chip. Yeah. yeah, you've got everything from, I guess at the bottom end, you've got, uh, for example, the, the the VCA in the first revision of the Korg MS20. That was one transistor, and I, I think anyone that's involved in synthesis would have to 
at least kind of begrudgingly agree that the MS-20 has been a reasonably influential yeah fuzzy, fuzzy little bastard yeah absolutely <laughs> noisy rackety yeah, great you know little but it's, thing. it's got character for eons character exactly so what what are we what are we actually talking about when we we talk about you know character and analog warmth and that and, and what we're talking about is the imperfections we're talking in the things that we're talking about the things that engineers try and design out so i wanted to do a vca that that wasn't you know having said that i think it's also fair to say that anyone's used one of the, the very early MS-20s, it's it's not ideal. It may be, it's, it, it can be pretty noisy. I mean, like, I did the MS-20 Mini and I thought it was broken for a while because yeah, it's yeah. literally, because a lot of people are like, people who complain about the noise on synths, I'm like, shut up. Like, yeah. what A, what noise? And B, what is this music that you write that requires that everything be so precise? I'm like, fucking give me so much character that I'm like, you know, my ears are bleeding. It's like, that's why I'm interested in analog synths. Like I, one of my first analog synths I got actual analog synths was I, I ended up blowing the money that my grandparents had given me to buy a car on a Schwayman S1. Which I thought was a pretty baller move in, in hindsight. I mean, it is, but it was actually too clean. Like maybe I'm using it wrong and I mm. could have driven it harder, but it was. It's like it's a very precise design. It gives you what you. It does nothing more than what you tell it to do. Yeah. And I, that was not it. And actually, what I wanted was an MS Twenty. Yeah. But then when I got the MS Twenty Mini, it was so noisy. But I still looked. I thought it was still brilliant. And I was like, and in a way, I was like, you know, I doff my cap to you, Korg, for not designing that out of the reissue. Absolutely. Just leaving yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Brutally noisy as it yep. is, because that's what the fucking thing is all about. It's about bags and eons of character. And it's like. So don't don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. No, sorry, no. please. So then, getting on to an OTA VCA, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you've got for me. There's a, and I think this applies to any design. There is a point at one end where it is so well designed, overly designed that all the musical character comes out. It is. It's the imperfections. Mm. Um, but you've got you do have a point at the other end of the spectrum where it's it kind of potentially ceases to be reliable as a kind of a day-to-day music tool mm. and you you are having to you know eq de-noise things it. out and denoise yeah. it exactly yeah so i wanted to do something that was kind of right in the middle of that that spectrum the the art 2600 is probably a good example of uh, the the topology of of the ada 50 um it's not an art 2600 clone no. by any means but it is uh, you know as essentially an ota base if you're modulating it at audio frequencies for example if you're doing am mm. you are going to get a, a slightly perceptible amount of CV bleed. And that's a really difficult thing to say because we've got this thing now where CV bleed is bad. I mean, you're literally going to hear the audio rate signal in the front. Absolutely, as, 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 a, as a small addition in harmonics. And that's a good thing. Yeah, that is a musical thing. Um, it's, look, because so many of the VCAs that we use in Eurorack are these just incredibly high spec things, the people that sell them, their data sheets are, you know, like minus a thousand dB CV bleed. So there's this thing now that CV bleed is bad. Mm. And obviously the instant comparison is, you know, again, the, the poor old Korg MS-20, which, whose CV bleed characteristics were atrocious pretty much, yeah? You, you were hearing thumps. Mm. There is a happy medium where you can have 
in you know and doing amplitude modulation where you can have a little bit of the input at the output and you can have a little bit of noise mm. especially if you're doing am modulation then obviously you're going for, you know you almost want to hear the cv anyway because it's obviously it's driving the the tone of what is of what you're doing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the other thing i think is 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 uh the the degree of attenuation um again on the ad50 it is really good uh, you know sort of minus 60 or 70 db it's getting kind so of truly close down into yeah. the noise floor but yeah. you're comp- when again people have this idea that if it if it if i turn my amp up to 11 and i can still hear a little bit of the the, the signal going through the vca then that's a problem but it's not if you if you studios for if you're doing any serious amount of production and if you need something to to close a hundred percent you will use some sort of gate mm. in in your production process so it's it's about getting I, I I think you know to be honest I think it's a risky move for me to do a for anyone to do a discrete OTA VCA that is not going oh it's OTA, it's, it's discrete it sounds terrible and noisy and rackety mm. instead going it's discrete it, it sounds awesome it sounds beautiful. Um, but I think people need to learn how to, you know, fall in love with the kind of musicality of things and, and the, the imperfections and, and mm. that, that's what character is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We've got a ba- ba- screaming, screaming baby is yeah. sort of strangely appropriate. That babies. Yes. That's full of character. Yeah. No, I, I think, I, uh, I think you're right. That's why we're interested in these machines and that's why we're interested in filters because we want vibe and we're trying to find, you know, it's analog is such a buzzword, but we're just, we're just trying to find musical inspiration. And, and um, if the tools kind of give us a little bit for free in mm. the sense that it's, we don't have to work quite so hard like the 303, it just kind of gives you this thing on a plate. It gives you this sound. If you put the knobs in those settings, you'll get that sound every single time and it's... It's hard to get it to do anything else, but yeah. that sound makes it a thing that you'll want to take to a club with you. Um, yeah, I'm totally down with it. I think it's it's good. Uh, I want things that have character. The other thing I was going to ask you about, and it's like the the difficulty of being a manufacturer as a, a kind of one man or one woman band is that it's you're required to both be the designer but also the marketing person, and how there's kind of it's hard to communicate. These things are hard to communicate and it almost requires someone whose dedicated job it is to communicate. It's hence why, you know, you get people like yeah, me doing videos yeah, is yeah. like, because I've learned how to do that, but it's, it's not a skill that everyone has. And it's, it's interesting. I imagine you, you know, you'll have feelings about it because in a world where it's so crowded, it's like, how do you even get noticed anymore? If you're yeah. a manufacturer starting out, how can you even, how can you have an original idea? But, it's it's one thing to have the original idea, but it's quite another to get people to realise a how original it is, and b to actually pony up their money. I mean, I don't know what your feelings are about that, because that comes into the state of the scene. It's like, yeah, what's it like to be a, a one person band in such a crowded? You know, how loud can you shout? Yeah, it, it it's it's really crowded. It's it's absolutely a crowded market, and I see it changing from. I, I kind of feel like when I got into Eurorack, there was still an element of. Um, Just gonna uh, check that this is still please. Yeah, sure. Sorry. I think there was an element of uh, obscurity. People valued obscurity. People would value searching out unknown modules from from small bespoke manufacturers. Mm. If you look at any of the stats, if you look at any time anyone does a you know top ten modules of this year, 
is going to be very, very heavily weighted Certain to players. two or three yeah. manufacturers. Yeah. And then there's the long tail. Um, you know, same with sales. That, that is increasingly there are a, a very small number of manufacturers, you know, who, who, who really dominate the market. I feel it's almost a little bit more rather, rather through than a, a kind of a, a, you know, a kind of a digging through the crates type of market that, that want to go and find that, that elusive B side. It's kind of a little bit, maybe parts of it are now a little bit more like an iPhone market where people just want the latest iPhone mm. and whether they need it or not. I think not, you're that's, absolutely right. That yeah. does seem to be a bit of a, I, I want it. Oh, a shiny new thing from my I want manufacturer. It. Yeah. What does it do? Yeah. <laughs> I just want it on principle. It's like, okay. But it, I think it's fair enough, though, in the sense that, like the iPhone, I mean, say what you want. It is a good product. Sure. And, I mean, you guess it's it's just like having a good record label. It's like, you know, the shit they put out is great. I'm going to love that whatever it is that they put out. There is a reason why these enough. manufacturers dominate the market. Yeah, I mean, you know. And also that their 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 fame is bringing, bringing interest into the format, almost certainly. But I still, I, I still a million percent take your point, and I've been responsible for creating some like top tens of the year and stuff. And it's, it is hard. It's like their products, you know, either they do stand out, but it's there's just a lot of other stuff. Um, and where do you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer except to say, you, you, your question was, how do you stand out? Yeah, how so, do you? Stand, okay, yeah. one, one, build awesome stuff, and mm. this, this comes back to you know. The, the number of times I roll my eyes at oh new you know new companies started up and and our offering is a is a multiple mm. you know build build awesome stuff yeah <laughs> you know bring something original and unique to the game um, I don't you know I don't like giving props to other manufacturers we know we know who we're talking about the 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 people that everyone knows and loves the biggest players they make awesome stuff first and foremost mm. yeah um, and then you have to yeah, uh, you, you have to f- sort of find that fine balance between being able to promote yourself and, and, and do all the kind of business 101 stuff without looking like a, you know, a corporate shill or, or, or one of these people on the internet that is constantly shouting their own name. Yeah, as in, were you answering some comment on a forum? It's like, oh, by the way, I actually designed this five years ago and you might want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. But that's what. You, but you sort of. But that becomes. It has to be your job to a degree. Like you've yeah. got to do it. Yeah. Unless you've got some. You know. Unless you can ride on just the luck almost of just having the right thing at the right time. It's never necessarily the right time to release something. Who no. Knows? No. I think if you're part of a long tail, which the, the the kind of the vast majority of Eurorack manufacturers are, even you know a lot of awesome ones, not just the kind of the the, the very small kind of me too ones. Um, you know that that kind of you're a rat kind of middle ground. Um, yeah, it's it's a noisy market. It's a noisy, crowded market. I can't imagine what it would be like getting into Eurorack now. I, I see people's rigs, you know, and, oh, you know, this is something I'm putting together and it's got an abstract data module in it. And I, I there's, you know, generally two or three modules. I don't even know who the manufacturer is. Mm. I don't know what the thing does. I don't try and keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, I, I actually have to switch off to a degree yeah, because yeah. it's... There are two different pursuits. One is the nest building of building a system, and the other one is actually using the fucking yep, thing. Yep. And so, so I think you have to like going on Muff Wiggler and prattling on about modules is is a, a hobby. Yeah, and in, using itself. modulars is also a hobby. Yeah, yeah, the two are not necessarily related. No, it's yeah. like, and I don't also when I say prattling on, I don't mean it in a bad way because that's you know 
it's how we discover things as well. It just is, they are mutually exclusive activities I often find for my own sake because I'm not disciplined, you know, and I really struggle with that. And it's, it's constantly I'm thinking of ways to improve the system. And it's hard because there's always something new to improve the yeah, system with. Yeah. And, it's, and it's this craving of like novelty that is one of the hardest things. It's like the most depressing thing about the format. It's just like I almost wish that people would stop releasing things for a little while so <laughs> I could just focus on using shit. It's like... Yeah, so, I but, think if it's one of the pieces of advice I give to people when they, they want to get into Eurorack is think of one job to do. Give your system one job to start with. It can be building better baselines. It can be making a nice pad. It can be having a little bank of filters that you can put your you know, your, your drum loops through. Don't try and just build a wall of stuff. For its own sake. For its own yeah. sake, yeah. yeah. I mean, or, 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 go, or go for it, you know. <laughs> Fuck yourself be, be, be my guest. But no, no, I, I am billion percent. Like, and, and actually building that, my live system has reminded me that of why you're exactly right. It's like, if you have a purpose, yep. you don't need to go on Facebook and ask what, what should I put in yeah, my what's, remaining what, what's HP? Yeah, yeah. That should not be a question that you ever need to ask because you should know what I need to put in that last HP is the thing that gives me randomness. I've been craving the ability to have some random injections of modulational melodies. Yeah, what's the thing that I can't so do why, with current Yeah, rig? exactly. So the key is have a reason for building it. Yeah. And if you haven't got one, don't buy a Eurorack system. Well, get one. No, first. no, no. Please, build please, 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 please build, build one. Spend your money on yes. Eurorack. Build one and build it entirely and have set data <laughs> things. But have a damn purpose yeah. because otherwise you won't know why you build it. And yeah, because you have to become the designer to, to put it together. You have to sort of design a system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's yeah. That's the thing. That's a really important point. You are designing your own system mm. for you. And you know, there's nothing to say that you you can build a system just to mess around with before you put the kids to bed. Um, but you know, if you're, it, should, it will still help to have an idea to, of what you're trying to get out of it, it yeah, while yeah. you're before you put after yeah. put the kids to bed. So I want to end by asking you about music making because right? mm-hmm. we haven't really talked about the process by which you make music. And you obviously you do have. I think you're one of the rare. Uh, I may find out that's not rare, but. You're one of the rare manufacturers that does make music. Yeah, yeah obviously. I, think, I, I don't think it's the majority. It's of us. not a. It's like people. Yeah. So, how, basically, pointedly, like, how do you make music with a modular? Is my question. Cool. Okay. That's my question. Yeah. All right. All right. So I do the sort of stuff I do with the the modular under the the name Jack Patch. Um, is techno it's standard issue techno I'm not looking to redefine or... I would I would like to say it's, it's I think it's really good standard issue techno. oh cool thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's thank pretty you. like I listened I was like when, and I mean it's in the nice possible way it's just like when you you're like someone's like oh, here's my musical project you're like oh here oh. we go here we go <laughs> <laughs> you put it on I'm just like shit oh shit no no right okay no yeah like this can be this is club music this is yeah. great this is like and it's actually some of the stuff I've been trying to make myself so it's like that's particularly why I'm interested as well as how, yeah, please continue. How do you do it? And how do you, I suppose the the slight extra spanner in the works is just, especially with the modular, how do you keep it sensible so you actually freaking get some music done? Yeah. Okay. So the, the, it, this partly comes back to limitations and, and I set out and, and, and having a rig that serves a purpose, I set out to build a rig to do techno with. I didn't build a rig with no direction and then i wonder if i can make do techno with this i have a a structure a very 
specific structure of kick, claps, hi-hats, a couple of percussion things, a rig, a, a couple of modules for bass lines, and a module for kind of synth lines, you know, let's call them synth lines. And I have a sequencer dedicated to running each of those, some sort of sequencing capability dedicated to running each of those things. The two voices and the drums. E each of the voices, yes. Yeah. So, right. Um, that and and then I have a, a a mixer that is gives me one of the, each of those channels or each of those instruments on one channel. So every track I do has that lineup. It's like it's like my band basically. Mm. I don't go on stage and go, you know, tonight we're going to have two guitarists. We're going to get rid of the bass player. Um, you know, you go on stage with a drummer, a guitarist, a bass player, a singer, yeah. and, and and whatever. And you find so, a part for each one of them. And at every, some point, everyone and you play a particular type of music. So the I've got the 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 rig. Um, it's six uh, U, so it's two two rows. So it's not big. 104 HP. Not, not it's, it's a pretty modest system. Um, top row is all sequencing um, and a couple of send effects. So I've got a reverb, a couple of reverbs. Um, and the bottom row is is all the, the, the noise making stuff. So noise making stuff, uh, tip top 909, mm. um, obvious choice for techno drums. You know, the kick drum, the hi-hats, the clap. Um, baseline is an all abstract data lineup. Um, a couple of prototypes that I've that will well stuff that will be released imminently. So I've got a, a shaping VCO, which is a prototype. That's that's the actual sound generator. Um, envelope generator and VCA are just about to, to come out, mm. and the filter is a, a discontinued module that we've we've had out for a while. So that's that's the classic monosynth baseline. Yeah, just one oscillator. Was there a sub octave generator? No, no, one yeah. oscillator for right. bass. Yeah. Um, percussion, my kind of go-to electronic percussion module is the Noise Engineering BI, the Basimilis, Heck yeah. which I just love. It's frigging ridiculously yeah. good. Yeah. That's a brilliant example of like digital modules done, done good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> done, done so yeah. good. Yeah. And, and in, it's, it's quite a simple interface, um, you know, one knob per function kind of thing. But I, 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 and I've owned it for years and I, I, a, I never ever bore of the sound, where I, whereas I have gotten tired of a lot of other modules that have been and gone. Never bore of the sound of it, and and b, I keep on discovering new things to do. You know, I keep on discovering new sounds that I can get out of it. So mm -hmm. that's a really high value module. Yeah. Um, in a, I think that's one of the keys in a small rig. Stuff really has to pay its rent. Yeah. Yeah. It has to just deliver. Um, and one that I haven't owned for as long, but it's on all the recordings I've done. Um, is Mutable Instruments Rings, yeah. um, which I looked at Elements for a long time. I think it's Elements. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a kind of, yeah, 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 it's a bit yeah. big for, for my rig. And Rings does a lot. And again, it's just a module that I feel like I, I will be able to keep going back to that for a long time Amen, yeah. and getting new things out of it. Do you find it hard to tune it, though? Yeah, absolutely. That's something I've struggled with. Yeah, I... I think that's one of the things that you kind of just need to suck it up if you're doing music with a module. Tune, tune around it, not yeah, <laughs> yes, it. sort of punk rock tuning. It's techno, mate. I'm quite lucky that I, I have a, a pretty good ear for pitch and I, and I do, um, you know, you can tune things with guitar tuners or software on your iPad or whatever mm. as long as you signal conditions. So you just not mess with the tuning once you've set it. You basically set a bass tune for the... For the session, I such. yeah, I tune the bass line. So I tune the bass line to to G generally, which is about forty eight hertz or something, um, and then I tune by ear 
the bi and the rings to it and and i will if i'm re- if i'm just jamming it doesn't really matter if stuff's mm, a bit yeah, wobbly but but when i'm recording i will go and retune a, a, a couple of times and, and you know i have had I, uh, I i've had times where i've had to kill a session because i i lost the tuning i just couldn't well, get it back into gone. place but you know that's 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 Part that's of the playing music yeah, yeah. life yeah, yeah. So then you've got um, rings. Do you have that going through a filter or? No, I use it. Just open. I, I use it uh, so, so far. So the second voice is just rings. Yeah, so far right. the way I've used it is just rings, wow. just just hitting. Well, it's it a whole voice. It's yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. You just hit it with a ping and it, it just resonates. And it resonates, and yeah. yeah. And so you don't feed any noise into it? or No, but I modulate it a lot. I think that's, that's the I'm thing. Sure, Olivia would be happy about yeah, that. And, and you, <laughs> he would also be annoyed that you hadn't put external noise into it. But I, I must admit, I've barely done that myself. So. I, this is kind of the thing. Look, I, I have, I've got a long time to discover that. That's that's why that module will stay in my yeah, room I think, for long. Because we're only just getting started. Yeah, yeah baby. I can keep on doing things with <laughs> yeah. it. And that, it's such a good module to have in because I think it's uh, physical modeling stuff is so ruthlessly good for techno. It was actually something because I reviewed it for Future Music. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly sure. I did say this in the review that I was like, this thing will kill for techno. <laughs> yep. This will kill yep. for techno because it's just, it's a different vocabulary. But, but when you juxtapose it with like traditional bass lines, you just get such a cool, such a like ear, ear catching yes. combo. Yeah, I, that, that I would definitely agree with. All the, look, I love the, 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 the tip top 909 modules. Same, they, yeah. they just do what they Say on the tin, yeah, yeah. it's 909 kit, good appreciate, a good approximation of a 909 clap and everything. I'm not expecting it to do every kit drum under the world. I just want it to do one. Mm. Um, bass lines, I don't get entirely hugely imaginative with bass line. I think, you know, working with those frequencies, particularly up loud, you want something fit for just purpose, delivers, something tight pure and, and tone. Low. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit of dirt, a little bit, so halfway between, you know, sine and triangle. Um, so having modules like the BI and the rings really is, is the gloss that, and, and the that shine like and everything. Candy over it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the top row is all sequencing. The master is, to, I run two octo controllers. Right. Um, I have one that is running all my drums. So I have one AD32 that is dedicated to, um, I basically have an A and a B channel. So I have an A for, for example, 4-4 four, four kick, mm. and then I have a B for a fill or, or a break or right. something like that. And I do this. You just got it in the mode where it's spitting out, but what the preset rhythms or the random rhythms, no, um, whatever, whatever yeah. takes my fancy. You can sort of move it. Um, and you, I've got you, a, you a switch. A switch. I've got a physical switching module. Right. Yeah. So I can switch in a kick drum fill or I can switch That's between. That's basically something I've been thinking about doing where you've got like, because you, I sort of, because I've been using like circadian rhythms, you know, where you can mm-hmm. manually enter, enter things. But I've kind of come to realise, like, if you listen to techno music, you sort of don't reinvent the wheel in terms of the cer- there are certain rhythms that you almost just need as a library. And, yeah. and then the real strength would just become picking them at the right time. So, yeah. so in, like what I've done um, is using, I must admit, not using the octo control, but another module that puts out set rhythms, basically, just having you know, a set of rhythms so that I'm like, there's the 4-4, four, four, there's this, there's that, certain offbeats and things, mm. and then using switch mults to a switch multiple to actually combine yep. the gates works well. And in a sense, and I've not not really gone to town with this idea, but I think I need to have just, you know, especially with hats, like the offbeat hi-hat pattern is just like, it works. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's, absolutely. And it's recognising that if you're going to improvise music in real time, 
don't yeah, the worst thing you can do is give yourself too much to do i think pick, pick one thing yeah the, the two things that i use on the ade32 are i mean you've got all the standard one two three four things so for your offbeat claps your offbeat hi-hats your 16th hi-hats your four four kick yeah that's the, the bread and butter but the the loopable sample and hold that's mm. what brings really good, the, yeah. the, the life into it so for example i will set up a loop on the sample and hold and i will use that to modulate the the, the hi-hats right so that the accent or something. accents yeah right, yeah, yeah. Or, or the fm um so that takes it from something that is just yeah. actually I, I had a cheering machine going into my 909 hat right, for okay, that yeah, exact same yeah. musical result yeah. yeah and that's the thing that takes it from being cookie Stat- cutter yeah to, to, like, to being yours how then do you track that you have told me in the past I yeah yeah lead, i but, i I put together a patch. I just jam. So the the, the, the rig is, is completely standalone. It's not linked to a computer or, or it's not slave to anything. It's completely standalone. So I start by just jamming. I just, just you know, get into the zone and just jam and play mm. around. Sometimes it'll stuff will come together really quickly. You know, you have good nights. You, you have other mm. nights where it takes a while. I get to a point where I have the entire rig patched up. So basically the, the peak... You don't start track. with it patched as such. No, absolutely oh, right. not. I always cool. pull it down. Absolutely. Good. Good. I set it up from scratch every single mm. time. Yeah, and then I, I get to a point where I've got everything patched up and, and I guess the you know what you would consider the peak time of a track where everything is in. Going at full. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, I, I jam it. I just familiarise myself with it over the course of generally a couple of weeks. Get in and jam and... and come up with a bit that, okay, if I drop this out here and I filter that there, that's going to be kind of maybe a break. Mm. If I cut one, two, and three out and I drop the bottom end off the kick, that might make a good intro, outro slash thing. So I'll get to a point where I can kind of approximate playing the track live, um, you know, not to a point where you could, you know, go out and, and do it necessarily, um, but but to a point where I'm starting to get a familiarity for the track. I can hear the parts in my head that I want. This is going to work here. This is going to sound like this here. This is going to start being modulated differently here. I've kind of got the track in my head. And then I record it. I, 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 record, um, I, I record each part individually. Um, and then it's, it's all in that, at that point, it's, it's all audio in, mm. in, in the door. And from that point, I'm working in software. So then you, you turn off your modular and you just arrange in, in the software world. Yeah, yeah. I'm really big on compartmentalising things in the, in the songwriting process. Um, I get distracted really easily. I get bored really easily. Um, I'd like to, if I'm writing a track, I don't want to be thinking about, oh, am I recording this? Are my levels okay? Mm. If I'm recording stuff, I just want to focus on recording. When I'm editing, I don't want to be going, oh, you know, maybe I'll use a new sound here. I like that by the time I get to the next stage, I've committed, I'm already committed to a whole bunch of things. The library of sound, the vocabulary. Yeah, Um, I use, absolutely use the computer for everything I can get out of it. Um, I'm a bit of a stickler for timing. So I do even just chopping stuff up to make sure that the the, it's it's on, absolutely on, on, and note lengths and things. I'm also a person that likes to tinker with my rig. Um, Maybe not major changes, but little kind of incremental changes. Um, at the moment, I've got a, a, a version where I'm running the entire rig off the BeatStep Pro, the Arturia Artur- yeah, BeatStep yeah. Pro, which originally I only ever used as a clock. So now I am using more of the gates and the sequencing. And what that let, and I've got a 
a template in Logic that basically mirrors my modular rig. So I've got a kind of kick, claps, hi-hats, bass line, percussion set up in my rig. So now I can use the Arteria to trigger the modular. I can use the Arteria to trigger Logic. I can pull sounds from one or the other, or I can write totally in one and play back on the other. So what's the advantage of why I bother to include the computer in that way? Yeah, um, I wanted to... One one of the things I found with the first couple of releases is that editing the drums, recording drums, fairly basic techno drums out of the modular, then editing them and getting all the timings, it's quite time-consuming and it doesn't really bring anything that is strictly modular to the game true you yeah. want you want a, a solo kick drum you want the recognizable 909 style hats you want that that great clap but you can get that no one is going to care that where that sounds came from so part of it was a um a, a way of just maybe speeding up the recording process so that you actually just keep the drums in the computer and you don't then have to trim and chop them and clean them up and exactly yeah, yeah yeah okay fair enough um and from there it kind of i you know kind of snowballed it was i i like the idea that i could write um using a hardware sequencer but in software didn't you know if i just wanted to mm. if i wanted to work down if i wanted to work in the living room yeah if i wanted to just not be in the studio my studio is, is quite a small little room um you know i could i can work anywhere with that rig um, but then if i want to play it back if i want to do a, a different version i can play it back through the modular and i can also recall songs so obviously with a a, a, a track that is done entirely in the box once i unpatch it it's gone it wasn't until I sort of said, Look, I'm going to actually start rec- writing and recording again, that I had to set them the challenge of, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to set up a rig to, to, to produce techno? And at what point will it stop being um, the modular and start being the production environment? Do I do another rig full of effects or do I just go, look, I'm just going to use the effects out of, out of software. So this is just kind of another little angle on that. It's like, well, what else can I do? How else can I do this? Mm-hmm. It's a good, you know, just a good little kind of technical challenge in the studio. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been fun just writing in software. It's not as much fun as working with the modular. I do, I did very quickly hit a point where it's like, I'm missing the modular. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why I don't use a computer anymore. But then there are also a lot of amazing processing systems on the computer. Like, you know, we also have got amazing VSTs like Alto and stuff, which yep. are very modular and reactor. And there's kind of the sky, there's a, a sky's the limit. When you start really thinking about how to use a computer for what it's best at, you could, you could rapidly exceed the power of the modular. Yeah, you Definitely. could, but you also come back to that same same rabbit hole. Yeah, I, you know, I've you know I've I've worked with Reactor for a lot of years, and I I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I don't want I want to make music. I want to spend my studio time making music and playing music. I don't want to spend it sitting in front of a computer, doing stuff that is is on the is the musical equivalent of checking my emails. Amen. Well, um, unless you have any other thoughts. Do you have any other thoughts you'd like to interject? Any, this, this could be your last month. Perhaps not. <laughs> no, no. Buy, buy, buy more modules. Buy Justin's modules. Abstract Data. What's your website? Abstractdata.biz. You got it. Abstractdata.biz. You have three new modules out. 
ADSR, a VCA, and an attenuator. Uh, Four-channel utility mixer, a, mixer a, a very, yes. very highly specced envelope generator, and a, an awesome old-school, characterful VCA. I'm going to be trying the VCA. Right, good. I'm going to put it in my live system and do some do some freeform techno jams and buy some music off me because I don't make any mod- money out of modules. Okay, <laughs> Jack, was it Jack Patch? Jack Patch on Bandcamp. Jack Patch. Go buy Jack Patch's music. It's good. It is good. And go and play it in the club. All right, Justin, thank you. Thanks, Alex. Cheers. And end. Theme music. So that was me and Justin hanging out in the living room, drinking extremely complex coffee. Uh, I made that coffee from a book and <laughs> amused him greatly because uh, it was a French press. But um, I actually did things like skimming the scum off the top of the French press and pouring it out and doing lots of other dweeby things, um, which amused him. <laughs> but it tasted really good. Uh, I have to say it was quite a nice cup of coffee. Um, and anyway, as we said, um, please check out his new modules. Um, he's got three new modules and his music as Jack Patch. Um, but yeah, I really like that sort of his final takeaway there about the compartmentalization of the music making process. I think that's, you know, uh, even if you didn't do exactly what he does, there's a lot to be learned from doing that. I know other musicians who make quite a specific point of dividing music making into stages, be it sound design, then composition, or no, the other way around, composition of the creating the melodies using basic sounds and then doing sound design afterwards. Um, you know, that Vince Clark does that, Zoe Blade does that, and I think those are that's a f- brilliant way of doing things is divide the processes up um, so you don't get too distracted and you don't... Um, you know, you're not going to lose something. I don't know, lose um, input, you know, impetus, momentum, whatever it may be. But by separating these processes, you don't tie yourself in knots. Not so easily, perhaps. Not that I do that. I'm terrible. Hence, it's taken me something in the region of 16 years to release an album. Uh, more on that soon. Um, and as a final note, obviously, please check out Justin's stuff. But actually, uh, just a quick shout out. I appeared on a podcast uh, another podcast, um, which was by a man called Chris, um, but it is uh, Chris goes under the name Midi Error, um, and I will link to that. Um, have a listen, uh, and just as a big shout out to that podcast because it actually inspired me in part to do this. Um, so a shout out to Chris and thank you for having me. We have a big chat, and there's another hour and a half of stuff to listen to if you want to go and listen to me banging on about stuff. All right, that's it. Thank you. Bye.